silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all to the very first episode of Hoop Dreams, the brand new basketball podcast here on the 8-Bit Collective. My name is Matthew Tilby, and I am joined by the Sean Kemp and Gary Payton of the 8-Bit Collective. I will let you figure out which one is which. I'm, of course, joined by John O'Peck and Brendan White. Boys, how are we doing? G'day, g'day. Sean Kemp is here, and it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> that makes me the trash-talking Gary Payton. I don't know if that fits, but I'll take it. <laughs> I guess in this sense, I would technically be the Detlef Shrimp of uh, the 8-Bit uh, Collective. You could be Hersey uh, Hawkins. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm the role player, essentially, um, coming in and doing a job. But room to uh, but improve, yeah. you know, you're just still finding your feet. So, uh, you know, <laughs> onwards and upwards, as they say. Exactly, yes. Um, but yeah, welcome to our new podcast. Yeah. Um, we have been talking about this for what seems like almost 12 months. We've been uh, big fans of basketball uh, ever since I've talked to Jono. Pretty much would have been almost about a year now. Um, mm. We've just been discussing it. We've been part of fantasy leagues and and everything else that we can imagine and, and this really just seemed like the next logical step um to, to really just talk our minds about it and, and uh yeah here we are that's it i've uh, wanted to do a basketball podcast since i got back into nba my second wave of fandom in around 2010 so all those all those times spent listening to bill simmons and the starters and whoever else the basketball yeah. Jones. now it's now it's happening. I'm keen, keen as. I feel like we should um, start this podcast just by sort of giving people um, our sort of origin stories to basketball, like you said, uh, Jono, mm. um, and just explain where we come from and, and sort of how we grew up uh, around basketball. I certainly probably came in a little bit late. I was uh, probably not really much of a fan until maybe when I was in my teens and, and sort of really grew up on the, the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, sort of uh, the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns. Um, obviously now things uh, are not great. Um, and I say that in the loosest possible term. But um, yeah, I, I think just that sort of freewheeling, you know, behind the back passing, almost like Harlem Globetrotter style of play was just such a an eye-opener for me. And I, I had, hadn't seen anything like it really. Um, obviously, you know, everyone heard of Michael Jordan, you know, his kids in the schoolyard. But um, once I really sort of got into basketball and, and took a, a a bigger sort of, you know, a, a better look at things, um, I certainly was, was hooked just from, from day one and, and have um, not been able to take my eyes off it since essentially. But um yeah, just in, in general, um, I've sort of grown more to love uh, the finer points of basketball. Um, been able to see a couple of games live as well. Uh, been to Philadelphia to see the Sixers play a couple of times. And it's just an insane experience um, being over there. And, and, and that sort of yeah. stuff really just drives my love for the sport. Um, but yeah, what about you guys? What, uh, Jono, let's start with you. Sure. So I first got into the NBA back in probably 97 when the Bulls were at the height of their their powers with MJ, Pippen and Rodman running amok. And I was very much obsessed via NBA magazines, one-on-one slam magazine and NBA Live 97, which me and my brother Dan played for countless hours uh, on the PS1. Good times. When Shout EA out was, to Dan. Yeah. When Did EA was you? still making, uh, making good quality sports games. But uh, I kind of fell out of basketball as the Bulls turned into a complete mess with post-Jordan. And I alluded before to the second wave of fandom when uh, I guess the Bulls came into relevancy again. And I was at a point in my life where I I needed something else to latch my fandom onto because there'd been a few other things in between. So I was a bit older and that was kind of the Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah era. Just it was it was before they were quite a playoff contender. It was when they were like a, a five hundred team in eighth seed or whatever. And you know, that, that period and that era has come and gone, but in that time I just became more of a fan of the game and it was enough for me to continue my obsession throughout the Bulls highs and lows, which of course there's been many, many more lows than highs, it feels like, with <laughs> the last few seasons. And uh yeah, now I'm just all in, it doesn't matter, you know, if if the Bulls are good or not, I'm just a fan of this amazing sport that never sleeps 
it never lets you down. There's always something insane to talk about. So, yeah, happy to be doing this podcast with you fellas. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, there's certainly a couple of promising young pieces in that Bulls lineup at the moment, um, and we'll, we'll probably get onto that as the season pro- progresses. Mm. But uh, Mr. Brendan White, um, I come to you now. Basically, we've both discussed, uh, me and John, I have discussed um, some low points uh throughout our supporting tenure as NBA fans. But, uh, well, I guess you're, you've you been the most recent, uh, well, supplier of a high point, I should say. That That is true. Like, um, yeah, devout Toronto Raptors tragic for those uh, unaccustomed to my, my Twitter feed, which uh, is regularly throwing some Raptor love around the place. But, yeah, so... I started uh, on the basketball fandom when I was, I don't know, I reckon it would have been maybe four or so. My uncle is a few years older than me, about seven years older, and he was a big M- NBA fan. And so I fell into into love through the sport through him, uh, originally with the uh, Supersonics. Uh, so I love the, the Kemp Payton reference to open things off. And then when the Raptors, <laughs> uh, you know, came into the fold in 95, that's where I sort of uh, latched onto from a more sort of serious standpoint at, uh, you know, the ripe old age of nine years old, uh, got behind them Raptors and have been flying that, uh, Torontonian flag ever since, uh, so many lows over the years, but recently, uh, we've sort of built ourselves a, you know, fringe contender. And, uh, as you know, this season that was, uh, went all the way to the, to the championship and secured that gold, uh, now I'm in a state of flux. I'm in this weird raw, <laughs> raw sort of emotion at the moment where, I'm I'm on such a high and I know that that high will carry me for the next few years knowing we've won a championship, which I just never expected would happen in my lifetime. But now the man that sort of almost single-handedly helped us get there has uh, jumped ship. So, uh, yeah, yeah well, I, I feel like that sort of leads us perfectly um, into our sort of analysis of free agency. Um, mm. And yeah, what a day it was yesterday, basically on the... On the same day that there were earthquakes in our summer league games in Las Vegas, uh, that wasn't the only sort of groundbreaking um, news that <laughs> uh, that took place. Um, I was really happy about that link. I was as I was thinking about it. Um, <laughs> yes, Ka- yeah, exactly. Kawhi Leonard is now a Los Angeles Clipper. Um, huge. Uh, this is going to be one of those moments that we look back on as a basketball fan. Um, there will be those free agency moments rather than, hmm. uh, you know, moments on court that are so genre defining and, and so era defining. This is one of those sort of uh, big off season moments, like in the same way that LeBron took his talents to South Beach. This is probably the, the new era's um, LeBron moment you could uh, suggest. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I guess the fan base didn't see it coming despite the rumors and just like with Cleveland and you know we heard for for months if not you know a solid year that Kawhi wanted to play in LA but for whatever reason whether it was his demeanor or things that he'd said about Toronto it felt like he was getting more comfortable there and, and wasn't exactly looking to leave so when the news came in that he was going to the Clippers it wasn't a, a huge shocking like incredible never saw it coming moment but it was still like a, oh no way kind of didn't actually think it would happen after the rumors after Jalen Rose saying it was 99% happening two-year deal like all these kinds of confirmations that had been leaked through the week that Kawhi wasn't going to leave it's such an interesting thing because you sort of touched on it there we all sort of thought it was either going to be he'd stay in Toronto or he'd move to the Lakers and 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 for the longest time, people sort of viewed the Clippers as this sort of third-wheeling team or someone who was sort of hanging on to, to maybe, um, you know, change his mind a bit. Um, obviously, he did also have those talks with the Magic, um, and I, 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 it's, it seems like he's used that essentially as a, um, a bargaining tool to get to Los Angeles. But, yeah, it, it just seems so out of, um, out of left field, essentially. Um, yeah. But it really does now represent, like this this shift um in the city of los angeles because obviously everyone thought ad moving to the lakers was going to be the big showpiece um of the the city's basketball sort of scene um and now there's a real good chance that they've been usurped well this is the first time there's been two good teams in la i think ever you know i don't think that's ever happened so basketball 
Twitter and basketball media is going to be on fire because that's where you know everyone wants to talk about LA, whether they're good or bad. So it's yeah, it's going to be a fun season. It's it's a very in- interesting thing to watch play out. Like I was. Um you know, infrequently refreshing uh, Wodge's Twitter feed because he was you know, obviously breaking a lot of these free agency signings before they became uh, common common sort of knowledge. And uh, I saw the Kawhi thing pop up and I got excited for a second, but then I saw the, the Clippers and, and the heart sunk. And then in the space of, I think, 45 minutes, the next thing obviously was Paul George getting traded. Yeah. That was an absolute bomb. That was the voyage bomb. <laughs> two clippers as well. And then reading between the lines, apparently Kawhi just put his foot down and he said, I want to be playing with Paul George and um, you know, reached out and, and Sam Presti was was talking to the Clippers and Toronto and it almost felt like whoever could land George was gonna land Leonard from what I'm reading. Like I think he still leant slightly towards the Clippers, but if um the Raptors pulled the trigger because they they were gunning for Siakam Van Vliet and some ancillary pieces to make the money work out, and then still four first-round picks or whatever the hell it was in the end. I'm I'm now currently <clears throat> reading uh, the trade that um, went through between Oklahoma City and the Clippers. So Oklahoma City gets Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, if you were sort of following the league last season, he was a, a real decent pickup for them through the uh, the draft and. Mm. It's a real interesting piece for them um, to go with Danilo Gallinari, who is probably, I believe, on an expiring contract at the end of this season. Extremely so. talented, but made of glass, that man. Like when yeah. he's on the court, yeah. he Paper. is uh, upper echelon, but he's so often injured that he's just his value is just moot, it feels like. Mm. Yeah. And even then, this is this is the big part that I think they may have been fleeced on. The Clippers unprotected 2022, 2024, 2026. They're unprotected 2021 and protected 2023 first round picks via Miami and the rights to swap picks with the Clippers in 2023 and 2025. Yeah, man. It's insane. Like reading reading more and, and obviously a lot of it is hearsay from the various beat writers, but they were looking to potentially even package George and Westbrook to get them out and sort of completely ground zero the thunder but um yeah obviously Westbrook is there to stay right now but there's also now news coming out they're looking to try and trade Westbrook before the season starts so they are going to completely press the uh the reset button there in OKC but yeah that is a hefty sum to pay for Paul George like Paul George is a hell of a talent um and it's it's kind of rough because everyone thought he was going last year to the Lakers but then he he re-ups with the thunder and then a year later, he's forcing his way out to go to the Clippers. So, yeah, yeah it's it's a little bit sort of in bad taste, in my opinion. Um, you know, the the honor of contracts and things like that these days means nothing for a lot of lot of professional athletes. Like it is very much an emotionally driven business. But yeah, I think I think it is a, a tough pill to swallow. Like the Clips mm. with a with a Kawhi. You know, hopefully. He's, stays healthy and, and gets back to how he was and playing you know near full seasons and what have you but they are very top heavy and they don't have draft picks for the next seventy five thousand years now so um, yeah. let's see what happens <laughs> i don't think it's quite that bad for the thunder because if paul george just decided to sign somewhere else they'd have a hole there where he would have been but now they have all these assets that they've been able to get in exchange from the clippers these draft picks because they're four five six seven years away they could be legit, yeah. like goldmine in, in the lottery. Because we saw with the Pelicans landing the number one pick this year, you don't have to finish at the bottom to get a really good draft pick anymore. Like the way the lottery odds have changed means those picks, especially you know when Paul George is in his mid thirties and Kawhi's in his mid thirties, they could be gold mines. And I think you know you you do have to overpay to get a guy like Paul George. But if you look at it in the context that they paid this to get George and Leonard because Leonard signing there was contingent on Paul George ending up there. Yeah. Then I think it's they, you know, it it made sense to make those moves to me because you got to like I, I always say you got to gamble to to win a championship and the Raptors did it and it paid off and yep. now the Clippers are saying we'll have our go with Kawhi and see if it works for us. My like my thought is that this almost mirrors um, the moves that the. Brooklyn Nets made for 
Garnet and Pierce all those years ago. Like on on the face yeah, value of it that you take it, it's a lot. Except like, the players are much more in their prime. Much more in their prime. I, I completely <laughs> agree. Which is the but but the, the 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 real problem is obviously Kawhi is there for I think four years. He signed yep, yep. A, like a fairly decent four deal. Four for one forty, I do believe, if I remember right. Yeah, like not that's yeah. But George is only there for a shorter time. Yeah, exactly. Like I think it was like two years max even. Like there is a real worry for me that this could all go south in, you know, maybe a season or two's time if they don't gel or this team just doesn't succeed the way that they wanted to and they could be in real serious trouble if if they don't sort of, you know, get to, you know, a good finals run or, or you know, get where they want to go very, very quickly. And that's that's really concerning for me, um, because it's 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 a common Los Angeles problem. It's not you know, it's not just the Clippers now. It's it's it seems like it's it's something that the Lakers have done, you know, from time and time again where they've gambled on those big pieces, you know, providing them a, a ring and it hasn't worked out and they've had to go through that rebuilding phase and, and that's what really worries me. Yeah, there there is a there is a element of risk attached to this, especially for the Clippers in this perspective. But I think I think Jono sort of encapsulated it pretty well. It, it's it is that you gotta be in it to win it, as they say and Yeah. And they've what rolled they the dice. <laughs> yeah, like and it's it's obviously it wasn't as, as hefty a sum as what we paid for Kawhi at the start of this past season, but even if they turned around and, and said now that that trade in retrospect did cost us four first round picks, I'm like, well, we want a championship. I don't care. Like, I'd, yeah. I'd still be happy uh, for the foreseeable future, knowing we've got that we've got that silverware in the in the trophy cabinet. So, hmm. yeah, it's it's in, it's interesting. I I still sort of am grinning like a Cheshire cat, knowing that LeBron and the Lakers missed out. <laughs> uh, you know, they they missed out on potentially signing a wave of, of pretty decent free agents like on the back of this they've announced Danny Green signing there um, DeMarcus that's Cousins a, signed there one. for one yeah, year two big um, this uh, morning so so Cousins and, and the Brow are, are back in the uh, back in the same uh, uniforms again and, and they worked not too badly together in New Orleans uh, when they were healthy uh, that's a pretty pretty imposing duo yeah. and then Chuck LeBron in there and that's still a pretty fierce three I'm intrigued by what LeBron can bring out of DeMarcus and yeah. seeing LeBron playing at small forward again will be interesting. He's basically been a power forward for the last six years or so. Yeah, and then like you've got Kuzma who I'm assuming they're going to try and play at the two and then Rondo's probably going to take the point. Um, so that five's still nothing to nothing to sort of smirk at. Like it's, it's an impressive starting five. So it'll be interesting because we've got sort of almost the, the potential all NBA defensive team in the, in the Lakers, I mean, in the Clippers. And then we've just got this all NBA scoring crazy on tilt brain snap team in, um, at the Lakers side of the fence. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a fan of NBA in general. I think just watching the potential storylines that are mm. going to come out of free agency into the season and the dramas and the unrest and what's the next big move. That's the question I think. Well, uh, the moves that uh, happened beforehand, obviously the, the biggest move that we all thought was going to happen this season happened to the Brooklyn Nets, which was so very surprising to us. Um, the big trio of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan all signing on with Brooklyn. This surely now makes them um, one of the new East contenders now that Kawhi has uh, departed the Raptors. Mm. Do, they do they tend to possibly move... Uh, up into that sort of upper echelon, do you think? I think they move slightly up this season because KD's not going to play, obviously. And, you know, last year they had D'Angelo Russell. They've just replaced him out with Kyrie, which is an upgrade, but I don't think it's going to push them from wherever they finished into, like, the top four seeds. I think it's going to be a year where they kind of just get everyone settled and then with KD back is when they really take that next step. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how... (laughs) Irving goes in the, the new environment after the disaster of Boston and you know you call it the big three and it, I guess it is because DeAndre is seven foot tall but he's definitely not <laughs> yeah. he's definitely not on the, the same caliber as those guys he, he probably won't even play starters minutes uh with with the young talent they have at that position there so I, th- I think you know him being a bit washed with with less athleticism is going to become very obvious as the season goes on and he really we, we know that 
KD and Irving took less money so that they could sign him to that kind of $10 million a season deal. But if it, that's what it took to get KD to sign there, because I know they're good pals, then it's a good move, I think. And like similar with the Clips, sometimes you just got to pay what you got to pay to get the dudes that you need. Yeah, like like I couldn't sort of see it just shooting from the hip. Milwaukee one, Philly two, Boston and Pacers probably round out the top four in the East. And then five and six, you're looking at that uh, Nets Raptors area where we're sort of in that bottom bottom of the rung. Like the, the Raptors trying not to sound too biased. They've still got a decent team that is deep. <laughs> Uh, and we still won absolute bucket load of games when Kawhi wasn't playing last year. Mm. Obviously, in the finals, yeah. we'll probably get torched pretty quickly. Yeah. But as far as a regular regular season team, uh, we'll be competitive. But I think that sort of yeah power shift is is pretty uh, obvious to see there, where we've got um, yeah the Raptors going from potentially one down to six maybe, and yeah that top three I think is pretty set in stone with mm. Philly with Milwaukee. And then you've got uh, yeah, Pacers and Boston, depending on on what poison poison you want to go with. Bit of a hole with Danny Green leaving as well, though, isn't there in Toronto? Yeah, like like that's a bit of a loss. We, we signed. Remember Stanley Johnson? Yeah. Um, yes. Who was extremely highly touted coming out of uh, of, of college and signed with? Uh, I think he got picked up by the Pistons, if Pistons, I remember yeah. right. Yep. So we we've grabbed him as a little reclamation project to maybe give us a little bit of defense and and something off the bench but um yeah green green's a bit of a loss especially from a leadership perspective obviously he's his shooting went out the window in the playoffs but in the regular season he was a key cog uh in that raptors machine but um yeah i'm i'm really curious from a from a raptors perspective if we're going to maybe look at trying to retool on the fly and, and trade out a couple of our older vets either before or during the season like a lowry or an abaka to one of these contenders to try and make a run and, and we sort of take a step mm. back and, and get some picks and, and retool. So Yeah, you know your jury won't be done with making moves, especially with uh, what we've seen him do in the past. He would have had a consolation plan for Kawhi leaving, whether it's see what you can get for Lowry or see what you can get for Ibaka. Yeah, he said he said like um in a few interviews that they've they had sort of two options on the table or yeah, if this is we're all in and, and Leonard's doubling down or here's option B. So I'm curious to see what this option B is gonna mm. gonna play out of over the coming months. Mm. It's an interesting period for those guys, but uh, it's also an interesting period um, of transition for the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Obviously, having lost Kyrie Irving, they've now picked up Kemba Walker, which is a, a fairly decent acquisition mm. for them. Um, and it now also moves Terry Rozier, Scary Terry, over to the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> uh, Brendan, I want to ask you first, do you think this is a good fit for the Celtics? And also, how open would this leave the Charlotte Hornets? I think it was a good fit for the Celtics. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Kemba, the, the instant offense he can create, but also his ability to play off the ball is, is very understated. But it's just, I don't know what Charlotte were doing here. Like They threw a bucket load of money at Rozier when they could have thrown a little bit more money at Kemba to potentially try and entice him to stay. Like I don't know if Kemba was just set on leaving. Like It, it sounded like that in his, in his presses where he, he's given everything to Charlotte and done everything he could. So maybe it was him accepting that it's time to move on regardless if they they threw all this cash towards him. So I, I like the fit for Boston. Um, Kemba is definitely the opposite to Kyrie as far as uh, attracting drama and, and controversy. He seems yeah. to just mm. put his head down and, and get to work. So I think that will help maybe settle some of those young up-and-comers in, in Boston there. So... I'm curious to see how he fits in and if Tatum and Brown and co take that next mm. step. Like they've got talent at every every position uh, in that Celtics roster and I think Kemba fits in really, really well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him put up some pretty pretty impressive stats this coming season. Yeah, I think when you look at what Kyrie brings to the table but what he takes off it as well, Kemba's basically a one-for-one exchange as far as I'm yeah, concerned. I was, I was literally about to ask like, how well do you sort of see him fitting into that system and sort of replacing Irving? But like you said, Jono, I feel like he's almost like for like in, in the way mm. that he plays. And I think that's a, a real good sign for them. I think the big loss though is Al Horford walking and only being able to replace him with uh, Ennis Cantor and maybe a couple other pieces as well. But he's a huge player and like defensively, he's one of the guys that could really, you know, 
put some hurt onto to the bigs like Joel Embiid that they're expected to face in the playoffs. And mm. I think his experience as a, as a veteran who's still, you know, very efficient and useful in the NBA is going to be a, a big loss. And as far as Charlotte goes, the deal for Rozier is going to be possibly the worst deal of the, the offseason, I think, when we see him as the, the leading man there and the disappointment of his season this year as a, as a backup. I know he was playing behind Irving, but he was had a definitely down year after what we saw him do the year before and averaging nine points a game, whatever it was. I'm not sure that he will be worth that contract, but the Hornets had to spend their money on something, I guess. And, you know, the reason that they let Kemba go without offering that super max was they wanted to avoid the luxury tax for some reason. Like if, mm. if, if you're the, if you're on an NBA team, you got to go into the luxury tax every now and then, but they, uh, MJ over there with his big bags of money decided that offering that lesser contract was the right move. And I guess, I guess it's essentially a way to retool and maybe shoot for one of those lottery high lottery picks even if they do finish kind of around 10th seed. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to sort of discuss there as well, was this surely now drops them down from being more of a yeah uh, a sort of playoff contender, you know, trying to fight for that 8th seed and, and sort of puts them in a bit of a, a state of flux, a state of limbo. Um, and surely, like you sort of mentioned there, with, with MJ sort of almost running things, you would have thought that it might entice some players to, to come in and sort of be um, run under... His his tutelage, I guess, but um, you know when when it's when it's not him sort of coaching or being as as much of an active participant in the team, um, I guess it's not really going to be that much of an issue. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's an interesting time for the Hornets. I'm not sure how well uh, it's going to go for them. They're either going to surprise us all, uh, or they're going to be, I'd say, propping up the East in in some points uh, mm. because. I mean, there's another team uh, that we'll be discussing in a, in a little bit who might be um, doing the exact same thing. But uh, yeah, it's not a not a, a great time for them. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at their lineup at the moment, like their projected depth chart for this season, and it is not pretty. <laughs> um, I double took and actually thought Jono was listed there for backup shooting guard duties. It's looking that thin. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what comes with him next year. Like, I'd love to see Miles Bridges take a step up. Uh, obviously, they've got the eternal reclamation project in in Michael Kidd Gilchrist there, who uh, is uh, you know the whole oh what could have been because he what second overall right in his draft yeah, year he was uh, and he's just and a it was considered a, a good pick at the time yeah yeah he's just fallen away uh, but they've got they've got some pieces uh, sadly just none of them are in their prime like Tony Parker Nick Nick Batum and things like that but yeah, yeah sadly retired now yes, too yeah this this ain't no uh, this ain't no Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bogues, uh, morning era Hornets, that's for sure. Sad, sad times. Well, of course, uh, another player from the East moving over to the West this time, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Of course, we previously mentioned him um, earlier there. He's now moved to Golden State. Now, this is one of the, the bigger moves for Golden State, especially considering that uh, KD had left. Um, but obviously re-signing... Uh, Clay Thompson to that max deal sort of sort of held the glue in place um, mm. and then allowed Russell to sort of sort of slide in there. But um, John, I want to ask you, how well do you think he's going to fit in? Obviously, um, you've now got that sort of small forward position open, but yeah. surely this means that you might possibly put Russell in at maybe the shooting guard and then move Thompson into a small forward, or do you feel like he's going to still play more of a uh, a point role, possibly back up to uh, to Steph. Mm. I mean, I think the positions mean a lot less in the NBA now than they have in the past. So you kind of just need a certain number of wings out there, and that's kind of where he can fit in. I, I guess he he might not have the length to play at small forward, but Clay certainly does. So that st- seems to make sense to me when he can guard anyone from there right down to point guard. And him being gone for the start of the season will be probably a, a good, possibly good for D'Angelo to kind of get comfortable and get uh, accustomed to the way things run in uh, Oakland or San Fran, wherever that they're playing Oakland, now, I yeah. can't remember. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that it's a, a good thing for for this team to kind of have another star there, another heavy usage player. With Curry being such a ball-dominant point guard and uh, 
I guess as he gets older, there won't be so much reliance on him to get the offense moving in the absence of KD and Thompson. And, you know, if, if they decide to go the other way, well, D'Angelo knew what he was getting into. He signed this contract. He wasn't traded there. So he would know this is Curry's team. The ball's going to run through him if that's the way Steve Kerr wants to do it. But Steve Kerr is a mastermind of uh, getting players to buy into his system. We know that he convinced Andre Iguodala to take a bench role to get them to their first championship. And he very happily kept that going as they continued to win. So I think as long as Curry's able to get his MVP uh, play something similar to his MVP play from a few years ago, then the Warriors will keep winning. I think that they'll probably do a bit better than people expect, uh, especially as the Clippers and the Lakers are kind of trying to figure out how their chemistry works. And if they're winning, then people, you know, players are always happy when, when things are winning a lot more than they would be if they're losing. So I think that Russell mm. will fit in pretty well from that regard. And once Clay's back, then it's another adjustment period. But, you know, when you're bringing back one of the best shooters of all time, it's only going to make things a bit easier for Russell to get his shots, you know, his open shots, I think. Yeah, I think I think the as in sort of the healing process for Clay, that they just need to weather the storm. They need to be competitive, like... You, you look at the, the sort of roster turnover in Golden State this year. Obviously, no Iguodala. We're going to have no Clay for a, a surmountable mm. period of time. No KD. No Boogie, Boogie Cousins. Like, that is that is a, a massive Iguodala, transition yeah. to your, you know, your, your starting nine. So, be curious to see if, if some of these other young guys step up. Um, Quinn Cook left as well, didn't he? he? He got signed somewhere else, if I can remember correctly. They got Looney back on a steal. That's um, a great deal. Which is uh, one of the best contracts in the league as far as what they signed him for compared to some of the other market rates for, for young centers. Mm. So um, he'll he'll sort of make a step in a, in a positive direction. I'm curious if they're going to do a bit more, uh, you know, bargain bin shopping over the, over the coming weeks and pick up a few more guys to fill out their roster. Because at the moment, I don't know who's going to play small forward for them. Like to start like Livingston, would you say, for now, <laughs> would be the starting uh, small n- forward? No. I, don't, I can't imagine. It would be... <laughs> like, I don't even know yeah, who. I don't know. I have to look at their depth chart to really know, but... Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> times for them. Yeah. Uh, I keep saying that for pretty much every team. It's an interesting period for the league in general. It is. Um, yeah. And I, I guess the sort of... Well, one of the more sadder uh, points of free agency has to go to uh, the old old faithful, the, uh, the New York Knicks, <laughs> who have... Endured just an absolutely horrid time in this free agency period. Of course, they all thought that they were going to be getting Zion. They were going to tank and get the first pick. That didn't happen. They ended up getting RJ Barrett, which by all accounts, like from what we've been seeing in this first couple of games, he's he's looking you know, pretty decent. I, I really, be, really like Barrett. Really, yeah, really like Barrett. He's, he'll, a, he'll he's be, a good consolation prize. Yeah, <laughs> he's a, a consolation prize. We'll be uh, eating these words hopefully in about uh, two years' time. But um, yeah, not great. Of course, we all you know had them in the race for uh, for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. There was all this talk mid-season about. Um, do you remember when you we saw them sort of conversing at All Star Week and and you know they were they were saying, oh, there's two max slots. There's two max slots. Obviously, those max slots were for the Brooklyn Nets, but um, <laughs> yeah. So they've now picked up Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, and Alfred Payton. Um, you know, yeah. look, it's 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 a good it's a good <laughs> solid team. Probably not to the the extent that you know, uh, you know that there's a a couple of big stars in there, but yeah. What what went wrong? I don't understand. His name is. What's the owner's name? James Dolan. <laughs> James Dolan. That's what went wrong. James Dolan has completely turned off any prospect of wanting to play for him. And I think you look at DeAndre Jordan playing there for the past season, he probably said, KKD, hey, you don't want to be here. Let's go to Brooklyn. Yeah. You know? He probably, yeah, he probably he, got he news been... from Michael Rappaport just screaming yeah. <laughs> out of his window in, in just strong yeah. New York accent. You, f- I mean, you fucking Dolan? What are you, you doing? Had... <laughs> So KD had had DeAndre on the inside to tell him, "Don't come here." Mm. I think, and and like from everything we've heard, it's people don't want to be anywhere near him, and like the Knicks haven't drawn a, a big free agent since Carmelo when he re-signed with them. Him, you know, him and Stoudemire way back when. 
yeah, yeah exactly. 2010. So it's not a place that people are, you know, infatuated with the way that they ha- had been in the past. Like these kids didn't grow up with uh, Ewing and Starks. They didn't grow up with that era of basketball. So the name, like the Knicks have a big name in, in the NBA, but they, you know, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen the success that's come with the big name. So I think yeah. it, it loses a bit of its luster uh, with these young NBA players or these, these guys that didn't grow up in that era. So yeah, to, to think that they would just get players because they're the Knicks, it doesn't work anymore. It's not enough. And it seems to work for the Lakers. I mean, obviously LeBron's there, but yeah, but the Lakers have, have had success when these people have been around, you know, Kobe, like the, the, the Lakers are never bad for a very long period of time. And I think yeah, they had yeah. a shine attached with, with magic sort of, uh, yeah. you know, wrangling in young stars and selling them the dream where where Doolin's got nothing. He just seems to... Like, we, we talked about it at the start of this episode where you got to be in it to win it. And they had a real good alleged chance of signing KD, but they just wouldn't offer him the, the money. So he went, well, yeah. I'm going to Brooklyn. <laughs> and it's like, what could have been? You know, <laughs> what could have been? And I think, like, Nick's fans convinced themselves that everything's going to go their way for some reason. Like, they thought... like. They had a, how much percent chance did they have of getting Zion? But they were still like, felt like wrong. Nineteen point three, just the the same amount yeah, that exactly. we had, baby. The same yeah, exactly. amount that we had. <laughs> One in five percent chance, and then when the you know the balls didn't fall their way, it was like this is rude. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> I think we can we can see that they're going to have to really work around this young core and come back to the draft again in a year or two. Randall's going to be a great piece. Peyton, who knows what he can do. He hasn't really lived up to his uh, lottery status. Gibson's a great veteran leader for these young guys, especially Randall and, and maybe some of the other bigs. But uh, I think Bobby Portis is a bit of a, a dud signing at that level but hey they have to spend their money don't they let's see how long it takes him to punch one of his own teammates (laughs) (laughs) he's there to keep everyone honest yeah but they've got a few other guys like left for uh for barcelona yeah yeah smith Smith jr is a good piece they got there obviously barrett we talked about Knox, so they've got some Mm. good young pieces that could take that next step but yeah yeah i I don't expect much at all out of the knicks for the foreseeable future it's almost like they went, okay, if we're not getting KD, if we're not getting Kawhi and we're not getting, you know, the the big names, we're not going to overpay for Boogie or we're not going to overpay for D'Angelo Russell. We're just going to retool and come back to the draft and come back to the free agency. Maybe not next year because there's really no big free agents, but the year after. Mm. It's crazy though because they, they, I reckon they should have went in for Boogie because he signed for three and a half mil. Like they, they offer <sighs> him like a three-year 30 or something like that. Um, to to be that pseudo face placeholder as these young boys mm. come up, but yep. he goes for you know for two cents on the dollar to the Lakers to be the hired big again. So mm. yeah, but yeah. oh well, oh well, Knicks. Oh, weird, well. weird, weird times in New York. Um, we'll go through a couple of quick uh, free agent uh, or sort of recontracted players Damian Lillard earning the supermax that he feels he deserves uh, at the Trailblazers for a four-year 196 million um I mean this is really going to be the big part of his career um if they can keep him and McCollum there I think the Blazers are going to be okay but they really need to uh sort of work around them obviously the move recently for Hassan Whiteside Mm -hmm. um sort of shores up that center position obviously while Nurkic is still out with the uh, pretty gruesome leg injury he had but um, yeah I mean obviously you could argue they probably hit their ceiling uh, for the Eastern Conference final last year but Western yeah interesting times for the uh, <laughs> that's going to be my catchphrase for this this podcast uh, interesting times for the the Trailblazers surely Brendan um, there's there's a lot going on there yeah like I, I don't like I see them be able to have like a a fighter's chance to to steal maybe a, a series against some of these more highly touted teams in the West, but you know M- McCullum and Lillard's nothing to sneeze at for sort of uh, y- your two guards. Uh, yeah, Nurchich is great. Whiteside, I don't know. He he's sort of in a similar vein to um, God. I'm mental blanking now. What's what's the center's name from the Pistons? 
who's also a king of hollow stats. You mean John Opeck's favorite, Andre Drummond? Uh, Andre Drummond, Drummond, yeah, yeah. Those two sort of are in the same bucket to me. Like they put yeah. up put up good numbers, but it doesn't really account to wins. It's just like hero ball for them a lot. So I don't know. Whiteside's a, a good presence, and and he's going to block a lot of shots under that ring. Um, they grab Bazemore as well, which which isn't a bad pickup. I, I liked him at Atlanta. Uh, good instant offense mm. off the bench, yeah. or if he's going to start, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I think last last season it was just everything fell their way, and they just got a you know, finals have a good ass element of luck to them, and and I think they they used a lot of their luck this past season. I think they probably hit their ceiling with this current build. And one for the uh, the Aussies following the podcast at the moment. Um, our own Ben Simmons earning a reported five-year, $168 million max deal to stay with the 76ers. Um, I believe he becomes one of the most, uh, well, the highest paid uh, Australian athletes going around at this point. Um, this, there always was going to be this sort of rumblings that uh, he may be traded or moved on, but... Um, the Sixers are showing faith in him, um, and as they should, obviously. Um, all these pictures of him, you know, going at the gym are hopefully him, you know, making a whole bunch of mid-range jumpers. But in the long run, he's still a you know a young guy, Jono. Um, this has to be a good move for the Sixers. Yeah, I think so. Like you look at his numbers, and as a young guy, and he's doing things that only two or three people have ever done in the history of the league at that age. So I think as much as people like to crap on his inability to hit a jumper, we can see that develop. You can always teach people to shoot. You know, Jason Kidd came into the league without a jump shot. And, you know, there's so many young guys that have done the same thing. Kawhi Leonard came into the league not really looking anything like his offensive game that he has now. So if he's a hard worker, which we know he is, I think that he can develop that and and become the kind of triple threat that we hope he will be. It's just a matter of whether he can make it happen and put in the work, which... As we said, he seems like someone that's willing to put in the hard yards. And I think Philly's only got the track record to go off that he's he's going to be a, a player that helps them get to deep into the playoffs. And with that extra skill to unlock still, you really have to take this chance that he's going to improve, I think. Hmm. I, their, I agree. their starting five is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, now uh, with the move that Jimmy Butler's now gone to Miami Heat and they've brought Josh Richardson into that shooting guard uh, position, uh, mm-hmm. as well as JJ Redick leading, uh, leaving for the Pelicans, um, you, you still maintain that Tobias Harris is there. You've got yep. Al Horford coming in, and obviously Simmons sort of running that pseudo point. It's a, They've still got a lot in the tank, and I, I think they're going to be uh, right up there this season. Yeah. I think they'll be right where they left off, essentially, because yeah. Horford's not someone that's going to change the way that people play. He's going to only spread the floor out a little bit more than what they had before, yeah. and he's not going to be demanding shots or anything like that. And Reddick's a big loss. He's super underrated, I think, and just really professional player to have on your team. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think Tobias having another like full training camp there and a full season will be very valuable to how he fits into the team. It's just mm. that thing of losing Butler means who does the ball go to at the end of the game? Maybe it's Embiid. Maybe you want a wing to be able to take a three-pointer instead. But yeah, that's something they'll have to work out. Yeah, they'll, mm. they'll live and die on Embiid's health, I think. If if he stays and plays yes. most of the season, they're going to be right up there. But if he has some kind of serious injury or stomach Diarrhea. ailment that takes him off for quite some time, <laughs> then yeah, they'll be mid-pack. Yeah, yeah. Um... We know he's quite vocal as well, so I'm sure he'll be telling us all about it anyway. Um, <laughs> and just quickly, a trade that sort of flew under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, Mike Conley um, has headed to the Utah Jazz. Um, and the the Grizzlies had uh, had picked up uh, Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, who's now uh, been sent to the Suns and will most likely be waived. I don't understand why. Because uh, he's going to the Lakers, baby. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, Jay Crowder, the 23rd pick in in this year's draft, as well as a future first. It's one of the few trades that I'd seen in a while that really does seem to benefit both teams. It's it's a good fit for Conley. He gets a bit of uh, you know fresh air um, and a new team who are obviously looking um, you know sort of in that mid level playoff range um, and really want to take that next step with a 
with seemingly a guard who still, for some reason, hasn't really hit that all-star level um, and, and really deserves mm-hmm. to be, to be honest. But yep. yeah, and then the Grizzlies getting a, a big bunch of, of um, really good, solid utility players, Grayson Allen um, and, and Jay Crowder especially, um, really are going to be big um big options for them Brendan these guys um, the Grizzlies are really sort of making a big run in it now that they've picked up uh, Jar Morant yeah like the, the Grizzlies they've they've done some some pretty pretty sort of nifty maneuvering I think um, they've sort of finally decided to to sort of ground zero this team and, and build around the youth like the the days are now long gone of Randolph and Conley and Gasol mm-hmm. and co um, I can't remember the, the Tony name Allen. they had what was their name Grit, grit and Grind Grit yeah. and Grind that's it yeah the, the the Grit and Grind era is officially over um, the Mike Conley pickup I think is one of the most underrated uh, moves in all yes. of uh, yeah. this free agency off season period like I love him He's he's been one of my favourite points for Many many years now, he does everything. Uh, you know, good defender, good shooter, good distributor of the ball. So I think he'll do really well in that that Jazz lineup, especially like Mitchell Gobert, Conley, Ingles, and would you put uh, Bogdanovic uh, in the starting lineup as well for to fill out your to your five players? I, I don't know, I'd, I'd, but I'd probably say you would. You might sort of stretch the floor yeah. a bit. Um... I think it's an interesting sort of acquisition for them as well, yeah. Yeah, but the the Jazz, I think they're they're a they're a bit of a dark horse this next season. I don't think they're they're primed to to win at all, but I think they'll they'll be up there come come end of season. Like like that roster's no joke. Gobert is one of the most underrated centers in the game, one of the best defensive centers in the game yeah, as well absolutely. by a long way. And if Mitchell just keeps ascending as he has the past few seasons, uh, just lighting it up from all over the floor, they're they're going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think uh, they've always been there or thereabouts sort of around the first and second round of the playoffs for the, the last couple mm. of years. And, and time will tell whether this really allows them to um, take that next step and, and perhaps even go one step further. But yeah, um, I think they're, they're really primed to uh, to take that next step, like you said. So it'll be uh, interesting to see whether they can uh, take it on. What do, what do you feel about the, the young bloods coming through in at Memphis there? Oh, look... Jar Morant, I think, is is going to be the the real consensus pick for uh, rookie of the year. Pin you, you can you can quote me on this. You can pin my my name to this, and um, I'm going to wear it on my sleeve. I th- I think he's going to be the guy who is well. Firstly, Zion, who's now uh, gone down with an injury, um, as we've just report, you know started recording um, at summer league. I I think Zion. As as explosive as he is, I feel like he's probably a little bit too one-dimensional. Um, I feel like when you get a guy like Morant coming in, who can, you know, run the floor, who can uh, pass and shoot and, and be all things to all people, um, especially sort of on both sides of the floor, I think he's going to be um, a really valuable pickup uh, to the Grizzlies. I think you really needed someone. Um, to sort of go like for like with Conley, and, and while Conley's probably more of a, an offensive player, he's certain you know getting a guy like Morant is, is certain, there's no um, there's no big issue with it. It's not like you're completely sort of falling off there. So I think he's really going to be big for them. Um, continuing to have another year for for Jackson Jr. I love him so much. Yeah, this is this is going to be his 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 big year. Whether he sort of you know elevates himself to the upper echelon um, of sort of good young. Um, forwards there or whether he sort of you know stays the same it it, time will tell but I I think he was a a big get for them last season he was certainly a big get for my uh my fantasy team um but yeah he's gonna be a a big piece for them um obviously getting guys like like Jay Crowder um as well sort of possibly helping him more with the sort of the smaller forward side of it but yeah I think he's going to be big around the boards for them this season so I think they've 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 started to fill it out nicely um and it'll be an interesting time for uh for the Jazz and and the Grizzlies as well so we'll we'll see what happens with that we're going to wrap up with a little bit of uh fun uh, we'll hopefully be doing uh for every episode of Hoop Dreams going forward and of course, with the news quite recently that Space Jam 2 has found its supporting cast or the uh, the cast of characters who'll be hopefully playing the Monstars, I thought we'd uh, 
have our uh, our say on things and 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 try and recast um, the original Monstars team. Um, obviously, the team back then was comprised of guys like Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Muggsy Bogues, and even Sean Bradley. Um, and but, Larry Johnson. And, and Larry Johnson, we can't forget. Um, but when you look at that team, obviously there's quite a few you know, positional errors with things, <laughs> a lot of power forwards in the role. Um, I wanted to recast this particular lineup and I wanted to get your, um, your choices as well. Um, I've written them down here on my phone at the moment um, and I'm going to go through them by, um, by position. Um, now, starting with the point guard position, obviously played by Muggsy Bogues, um, I wanted someone who was similarly quite short, but maintained that sort of zippy offense. He's probably not at the level that he used to be, but I feel like this could really give him a shot in the arm. Um, Isaiah Thomas. Um, that is mine also. Oh, okay. Just signed a deal. What about you, John? Do you, do you have a, a point guard choice i do i went with kyrie irving based off his uh comedic abilities i haven't seen uncle drew but i'm sure that he'd be miles ahead of uh, any other nba point guards as far as acting ability based on what we've seen from those pepsi commercials at least yeah i, I feel like what he did with uncle drew especially you know don't reach young blood um yeah. really uh sort of gave him a bit of acting chops and, and sort of showed he's got some potential there so i think he could do all right in that uh, position um, the shooting guard position technically wasn't really filled in the first Space Jam, considering they had three <laughs> power forwards. But um, as you sort of alluded to, appearing in weird Jason Bateman movies, uh, Jimmy Butler, I feel, could be a real good fit uh, for this team. I really I, like I, Office Christmas Party, by the way, with uh, Jimmy Butler and Jason Bateman. But anyway. <laughs> I, I went with James Harden with this because I thought, who wouldn't love like a nerd luck with a big, insanely mm. comical-sized beard? So, oh, yeah. I thought, you know, his, his sort of human caricatureness would sort of translate pretty well. And um, obviously, instant offense for the Monstars. So, uh, yeah. yeah, James Harden at shooting yeah. guard for me. Well, they don't really need yeah, any defense. I, I, I went with Harden too because the beard. I think it would be great to see a Monstar with a, a recognizable, you know, a beard up there. And James Harden's done those State Farm commercials. He's done some 2K spots here and there for for promotional material. So I think he's another one like Kyrie who's got some of the acting chops to, to pull it off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving into the small forward position, once again, not filled by a small forward in Space Jam 1. I, you can't go with anyone other than Kawhi, can you? Like, it would claw. just be... And he's got one big claw hand. Exactly. <laughs> and, the, and the weird uh, laugh could, could, you know, really, like, frighten some kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that, that uh, Kawhi is a bit of a black hole of charisma, really. So I wouldn't put him into a, a, a movie that... Like, I don't know if people would be going to the movies to see his performance. But I, just like the original casting director of Space Jam, ignored positions. And I, I've thrown Blake Griffin into this, again, for his comedic chops. And, yeah, uh, actually not you know, bad. He, I guess his reputation as a dunker. Uh, he's, you know, people always say how funny he is but really we're saying he's funny for an athlete because they're you know not at the level of real actors and, and comedians and that kind of thing but you know he's got the chops he's got the dunks at least in his highlight reel and i think when you look at the monsters performance it's pretty much 99 percent dunks as far as their offense goes mm. um and now for the actual power forward position um i wanted to pick someone who might give the movie a bit more of attraction uh in in europe and obviously that means it's <laughs> going to be mr Kristaps porzingis um uh, the lanky latvian um might give you know a bit more of a, a free-ranging shooting power forward uh side to the monsters mm. And, and a unicorn-esque looking nerd luck. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did you have, Brendan? I, I had Serge Ibaka here um, just because he has a lot of comedic delivery. He can be... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, th I'm thinking more OKC-esque Serge where he was uh, in his prime. But, you know, he's got a cooking show now on YouTube. Yeah. He has a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm down for some Serge. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've gone for a bigger name. I thought Anthony Davis would be a solid option. Again, similar to Harden with the eyebrow, you know, the throw the nerd like, oh, sorry, the monster up there with the, the massive monobrow. That would be quite funny. And he's got the uh, 
the LA, you know, he's got the stars in his eyes. Yeah, he's got now, the link the now. Lights in his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um, and finally, the center position. This was another one that, unfortunately, I probably did more on looks. Um, and even though I sort of said I wasn't <laughs> going to do uh, a Brendan and, and be you know nitpicky like that, um, I've gone for Nikola Jokic uh, purely because he looks like a cartoon character caricature of someone who's just a bit sort of like uh, a bit do- uh, a bit dopey. Um, <laughs> And he, that's he, very mean, but he can ball. Yeah, <laughs> he he that's just he looks like he looks like someone who would be on like a cartoon like basketball team. He's a he's a yeah. a, a big guy. Doesn't really look, you know, like a, a real basketball star, but he has skills, and I think that would be perfect for this film. Yeah, I've gone similar with the skills. I've gone with Joel Embiid. Oh yeah, okay, very nice. He's got some good personalities. He's good on the mic and and sort of mm. lets a bit of himself come through in interviews and what have you. So I think yeah. uh, he'll have some decent comedic delivery, and obviously he can play like there's no one's business as well. Yeah, he cracks me up. He's a, he's a funny man. I uh, I kind of went into this one thinking who's the modern day Sean Bradley, which is just someone that's massively long and kind of goofy. So it with Boban. Marjanovic and <laughs> just for the you know you have to go for the tallest guy in the league and I, I don't know if he, he quite reaches uh the seven six of of Sean Bradley how tall is Boban tall <laughs> yeah yeah seven he's two, uh, I think or something he's yeah he's two meters 21 which translates into a seven foot three yeah okay so yeah he's, he's he's got those massive hands he's got that those massive ears and he makes normal looking things look tiny so i think you got to have that monster that's just like way oversized and i think that he's the one for that and just to cap it off i think we're going to end with what we're essentially calling the Bill Murray cameo. Of course, you've got to have some sort of celebrity um, appearance mm. um, at the end of Space Jam. I sort of looked back through this particular actor's uh, past work and, and found that he had a bit of familiarity with, uh, with the basketball game. Of course, part of the movie White Men Can't Jump. Uh, I'm, of course, talking of Mr. Woody Harrelson. I had... I had I'd, thought about a couple of different people for this role uh, guys like ryan reynolds or seth rogan for a little bit more of a current day feel to it but i feel like that callback uh to his previous work would have been uh what got uh woody over the line for me yeah he was also in semi-pro he was yes yeah that's a another uh basketball feather in his cap that's a solid pick he can really ball in white man can't jump <laughs> he's awesome who, who do you guys have I went with just pure nonsense, and I'm like, give me some Zach, uh, some Jack Black. Give me Jack Black in the Bill Murray role, just coming in, disheveled, mm. up and kempt hair, beard, off a Twitch stream, and he just comes in and, and lays some sweet, <laughs> some sweet shots from all over the court. Yeah, wow, that's a good pick. He's uh, a big legend, Lakers fan. Too. The legend of the Lakers was way hardcore. Um, yeah. Who did you have, John? So I went with four-time celebrity game MVP Kevin Hart, who. As much as he's super annoying during those broadcasts uh, of the celebrity game, I think with a script uh, that he sticks to, he's, he's quite funny and uh, definitely enjoyed his work in the Jumanji movie that came out last year. So I think, you know, his combination of uh, at least his confidence in basketball, irrational confidence and his kind of uh, stature and everything, I think it could be quite funny to see him out there uh, yapping around and... and throwing the ball up and getting a shot blocked he's he he makes me laugh (laughs) (laughs) i had seen people sort of suggesting that um if danny devito didn't come back uh to be the the mad henchman he could be uh the the sort of the boss of uh of the nerd lux um and given how sort of grating he is to me personally um i would have thought that'd be quite good but i didn't want to uh you know just shit all over your dreams so much um but yeah ladies and gentlemen uh, that has been the end of a, a very long first episode of hoop dreams they may or not be this long in the future obviously mm. depending on how much news we have uh, to cover even in the off season um it may be a little bit bigger or smaller depending on what we've got but uh we'll be hoping to uh broadcast to every fortnight um, you can always check us out on uh, on 8-bit 
And uh, guys, uh, your Twitter accounts, where can we follow you? You can find me at Jono himself. You can find me at Brendan8bit. And you can also find me on Twitter at It's Tilby. And you can also follow 8bit to catch up and stay connected with everything that we're doing at We Are 8bit. Uh, but from me, Jono Peck and Brendan White, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Much love. <laughs>